Hello and welcome to the J-Rod Sports Pod with me, James Robson. And me, Ollie Dix. So today, Ollie and I are going to be having a look back at the first spate of NBA playoff games as well as looking forward to the Europa and Champions League finals which will be coming up as well as all the other news and headlines that have been going on this week. So let's jump straight into the conversation that we're both having about a big weekend of sports ahead. Right, so Ollie, I think the first thing let's start chatting about is Formula One has signed all the teams, all 10 Formula One teams have signed the Concord Agreement. What exactly is the Concord Agreement? I mean, the word Concord there it suggests it's something probably quite different. The only reason it's Concord is in the early days when they all started signing this, it was signed inside the Concord building in Paris. That's as far as as far as Concord is relative in I this. I thought you were about to say it was signed on the plane <laughs> on, the, yeah. on the way from New York to London or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, but all this Concord agreement is, is it binds all these teams, uh, Formula One and the FIA, to each other for the next five years. Um, and is generally a thing just to ensure that there's stability in such a in a sport with like so much money going in and out of it. So it sort of ties in TV revenue, prize money, the budget caps, all these sort of you know new rules that and how are, it's distributed between teams as yeah, well. Yeah, sort of governing um, governing the finances of Formula One. Yeah. So I think that it's been quite heavily negotiated, but I think the the thing we've got to stress is that it's inherently a positive thing that everyone signed it because it means that Formula One is going to have certainly these teams involved for the next few years yeah exactly it's five more years of stability um, and I think that's the direction that Formula One wants to go in that they want this sport to last Um, and so like you know we spoke about in the um, quarantine catch-up series and that Sam emphasized so much is that the new budget cap which starts from next year and the new technical regulations that are being brought into place they are also things that make it seemed like a more feasible sport for other people to get involved in as well. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's. I think it's. Um, as you said, in, in these uncertain times, it's nice to have a bit of stability moving forward. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, then moving on to the NBA because we have had the first round of, or well, the first couple of games in the playoffs. Uh, let's start with the Dallas Mavericks who beat the LA Clippers on Wednesday night and leveled the series at 1-1. I mean, this is this is not... I mean, I, I don't know that anyone expected it to be a walkover, but it's certainly not going the way that we were expecting. No, not at all. I think the Mavericks are... We, we always associate the Clippers as being like a high-energy team, and they've got a lot of guys there that are, are very, very high-energy, and they just aren't performing to that high energy at the moment and the Mavericks are the team that like they're the high energy ones at the moment and are really often you see successful teams need like three superstars it's always the big three well you know the Mavericks have their own version of the big two in Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis and they are riding that wave at the moment and it's exciting to see how far that wave will go Luka Doncic is someone who, uh, yeah, like you said, he's, he's a star player, but I don't think he was expected to put the team on his back a little bit, but he has, because yeah. he, he is, you know, he's got the second most points 
through his first two playoff games in NBA history. So no one else, only one other person has scored more points in their first two playoff games than Luka Doncic. I mean, and Kristaps Porzingis was ejected from the game last night, which probably turned the... In game one, he was ejected. Oh, okay. And Kristaps Porzingis was ejected in game one, which was quite... Um, questionable. It, yeah, questionable, but instrumental in, in the result the final result yeah definitely yeah. It, the game definitely looked like game two was almost what we expected game one to look at look like had Porzingis not been ejected so it's yeah it definitely this is exciting I think I think everyone I mean you yourself expected the Clippers to definitely be in the Western Conference finals and to be experiencing hiccups this early like the Lakers and the Bucks we didn't expect this and that's you know, this is bubble basketball for you. Do we think a certain part of the sort of bubble fatigue is now coming into play? Yeah, I don't know if it's... I think we expected just teams to get going. Like, you know, like we said, those... The Bucks, the Lakers, the Clippers, who didn't have great, like, final regular season games in the bubble. Like, we expected them to just, like, bide their time and they'd find their rhythm, like, once the playoffs started. And that actually hasn't necessarily happened straight away. Um, so so yeah, like it's definitely different basketball with no fans there. Like that first quarter is so different when you don't have ten thousand fans like screaming and shouting. Um, okay, and then let's, so let's, so let's move on to uh, first of all to the Lakers uh, facing an uphill battle against the uh, Portland Trail Blazers. Yeah, the Blazers who are our playoff win-in series champions um, and definitely deserve to be in the playoffs and are proving so the only thing that I would bode positive for the Lakers in this is that I think they shot under 30% from three and under 40% from the field and it was still only a four point game so it wasn't like they got blown out and actually you, it was a big scoreline, this was a close battle that actually came down to a few big shots in the end you expect the Lakers if they make the amount of shots that they usually make, that they actually won't be in this kind of trouble going forward. And then the Milwaukee Bucks and the Magic, the Orlando Magic. I mean, the Orlando Magic have sort of... Again, you you can't really say they've come out of nowhere because no, they but, haven't. But they have surprised us with the way that they're playing basketball. Yeah, recently. nobody expected them to dominate the way they did. And Vucevic, their centre, who... You know, this mainly he powered them through this first game win. That's not an area you expect the books to struggle with because they're so big, like Robin Lopez's centre, you know, Janice Anderson can poop. I'm not even gonna have a go at saying that again. You know, Lopez and Janice, like you expect those guys to control the paint area and that's actually where they're struggling the most. Okay, and then moving on, Toronto Raptors are tuning up against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but again, I mean, it sort of seems like that first game was not what we were expecting, and the second game was a lot more uh, down a sort of down a route that we were hoping to see at least. Yeah, definitely. I think this is a series that you know we've spoken about the Nets troubles with the amount of players. And that that contracted the coronavirus, and this isn't a full strength Nets team. And I think the Raptors are playing very good basketball. 
um, at the moment, and yeah, this this will probably be over in four. Which I think it, it's important to stress that in a in a playoff that's uh, more condensed, vital. If you can if you can end an early series early, you know, if you can end this first round this you know before it gets too um, drawn out. Just yeah, you know, sure. at the end, it, it, come the can, finals, you could be playing six. You could have played six games less than your opponent. For sure, like you say, there's three rounds until you get to the finals. They're all best of seven. So if you can play as close to twelve games as possible, then like you're well on your way to being as well rested as you possibly can. And you know, we've seen the Warriors in the past and the Cavs and the Heat that have all been able to do that and actually come the finals you're playing your bas- your best basketball you've got a winning like mantra going and, it, and it's yeah it's it's the best way to do it certainly okay and then the Houston Rockets I mean with a sidelined Russell Westbrook yeah still looked formidable um, against the Oklahoma City Thunder yeah I mean one of the games that we expected to be closer um and we, you know, went in the opposite direction. These things do, um, but yeah, I, James Harden is—he is always in that MVP conversation. You feel like if he was playing this well a bit earlier on in the season, he'd be well in it this time. But another scoring title, um, and he very much leads those Rockets. The thing with the Rockets is because they play small ball and shoot so many threes. A lot like we spoke about Barca the other day, they live and die by this. There have been games where the Rockets have shot not very well and not scored a lot of points because of this. And so this was one of those games where they shot particularly well. And then uh, Miami Heat are one up on the Indiana Pacers. Probably the way that we were that expecting that one to go. Yeah, for sure. Uh, some personal battles, I think, in this between Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren. Um, but other than that, like there isn't much going on here. It seems to be a bit of a personal one and one of the more quieter playoff games that I think we'll look forward to as to who the Heat play next. And then the Utah Jazz, I mean, came back from losing game one uh, to sort of blow out, let's say, the Denver Nuggets uh, on Wednesday night. Jordan Clarkson came off the bench, scored 26, equaling the series 1-1. I mean, this one... I feel might go the distance actually. Yeah, this definitely has the game one was there's some spectacular performances going on at the moment from like Donovan Mitchell, um, Nikola Jokic, you know, both sides are very much performing and yeah, it will go all the way I think, I agree. And then the last one is the Boston Celtics who are uh, in control of the series against the Philadelphia 76ers, they're 2-0 up. Won the first game 108-101, and then the second game 128-101. Not really much to report with this one. No, not at all. The Sixers are definitely missing Ben Simmons, um, and yeah, Jason Tatum looks like the superstar that I think he's very much coming to be uh, for the Celtics. Okay, and then looking forward to this, you know, obviously we're recording this on Thursday, so tonight's game's an early tomorrow morning. By the time people are listening to this, the results will be out there. Um, but quickly running through the uh, the games that we got this evening and tomorrow morning. Pacers against the Heat. Yeah, I think the Heat win game two. Heat win game two. Um, Rockets against the Thunder. I think Rockets go to nil up on this, and it could end the series quite early. Yeah, I mean... 
Yeah, it just depends whether James Harden yeah, turns up. Which and one turns you get, up. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think potentially Milwaukee get get one over Orlando. I yeah, think. I think this is an early hurdle that they bounce back from this in quite a big way, and then actually they push on towards the the finals. And I'd probably have a similar feeling about LA. Lakers. Yeah, I think with the Lakers, like I think you know, I think LeBron like. 23 points 15 assists 17 rebounds I think it was something crazy like that like crazy stats I think he goes back to his dominant LeBron where actually takes over the ball a bit more and goes and scores okay so we now know the lineup of the Champions League final Uh, PSG beat Leipzig uh, 3-0 um and it was a game of sort of defence against attack. Leipzig never really threatened. Uh, and it was sort of how good their defence could be against a pretty formidable PSG attack. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, it just, I think Leipzig were almost holding on from the very get-go. And you, that early Marquinhos goal um, was very much like... Um, it just settled PSG. We've seen them in other games where it's gone late and they've had to have some late heroics. Having an early goal in like that, might it just settled them a lot better and it meant, meant they could just relax a little and, and start playing some very good football. The biggest difference for me for this game compared to the Atalanta game was both Di Maria and Mbappe made a massive difference being on the pitch for such a longer amount of time. And I think... That's going to be, we'll talk about it in a minute, but in the final, having those two on the pitch is going to be a massive thing for PSG. Yeah. And then, you know, a personal favourite of mine because I called the score on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Bayern Munich beat uh, Lyon uh, 3 0. Um, I mean, Lyon were in it at the start, weren't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, hit the post and probably, and had a few chances that they probably definitely should have finished. Um, but. Once once Bayern get going and once that Serge Gnabry goal went in, yeah, it was curtains, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so. But Bayern are very much someone that like once they have the foot on the pedal, they don't ever seem to really let go. Like even very late on, they were trying to get a fourth. Um, and then looking forward to the final, I mean, I just I can't see this PS. Well, it's interesting because the. Bayern's defence has always looked shaky and I think it might be a goal fest and who can score most and actually when it comes down to that I am probably still going to back Bayern Munich to score more goals yeah I think like we just I know Barca's attacking prowess was incredible and you know they still early doors Barca were very much still in that game and I think that's something we forget when their end score is or was 8-2 I think for me, having Mbappe and Di Maria and Neymar who can exploit those passes, and I think we forget how fast Mbappe is. I'm looking forward to him versus Alfonso Davies down that ring because they are both incredibly quick. Like that's actually a a time that PSG are a team that can exploit that, and I think yeah, there's definitely going to be goals. The question is, can PSG keep it tight at the back as well? Yeah, I mean, I think this we might be looking at a sort of 
five four four three sort of do you think like being the final it's cagey or no like you just no. have two teams that are two free playing to go and have a cagey final yeah and also i think it, it would be cagey if it was i think it would be cagey if there was a sort of defensive powerhouse yeah team in there but because it's sort of they're both quite open and expansive uh, offensive powerhouses I think it's just going to be end-to-end football. It's going to be epic to watch. So predictions? Uh, I think Bayern, I'm actually going to go against what I said earlier, 4-2, I think. I have 3-2 PSG. Wow. Well, I have to. If we both pick Bayern, then it's not there, is it? But I think like something like that, it wouldn't surprise me if someone like Mbappe goes and scores a hat-trick. Okay, and then talking about Barcelona... um, Hired Ronald Koeman from the Dutch national team yeah. on a two-year deal. I mean, what? that's the first thing that sticks out to me. It being a two-year deal, that to me doesn't say give you a lot of confidence, does it? Like you're not here for long term. I think it says right, clear everyone out, get the new generation in, and then Xavi will take over from yeah. there. I do. I think it's very much clear house. Start to build something for us. Yeah, I mean, La Liga is always winnable, I think, for them. Um, and if they can do something like that, then I think that's very, very, very good. And, you know, Komen is he's very much built that Netherlands team back. I think they missed the Euros or the World Cup uh, a few years ago. And I think like they he's come out and said, and I agree with him, that they definitely have a future and a very promising future um, in international football. And I think... He will have, like, he's got a task on his hands, and the biggest one is making sure that those messy rumours stay rumours and that he stays. Yeah, I mean, there are rumours that Gerard Piquet is going to Fulham. Yeah, which would be mental. <laughs> um, Good old Fulham. But no, I mean, uh, like, I think it, it's. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a poison chalice, but it's a. It'll definitely be a struggle for him to to get performances out of that team especially after the way they exited the Champions League I mean that's going to need a cultural rebuild just to pick everyone up off their feet I mean they've lost Eric Abidal who they fired the day after they sent uh, they sent him in to fire Kike Setien yeah I think there's a That's lot a pretty of savage last day at the, the yeah, office, isn't it? there's a lot of directors here and a lot of people with yeah, I think there are quite a lot of people with fingers in the Barcelona pie. And I think it's a matter of actually, does Komen get the freedom to actually put his imprint on it a little bit? And they can start to make changes that are big changes. Because, you know, we weren't sure. Some of them like Komen, some of them like Pochettino, some of them wanted Xavi now. All these things, there doesn't seem to be one message coming from Barcelona. And I think actually two years of like Komen being in control, I think that might be the best thing almost for Barca, to a bit of stability. Yeah, I think they need that that force just to calm everything down. And I think it's not gonna be an easy two years for him. No. But if he can if he can get through it, I think Barcelona will move on from him. But I think he'll be in good stead because he'll go Right, it was really bad what I got here. Yeah, look what I managed to do. And I think he's definitely someone who can take control of a situation. And like a lot of big names like they had in the Dutch squad. 
Okay, and then looking forward to the Europa League final, which happens on, is it Friday night or Saturday night? Yeah, Friday night. Friday night. Um, so tonight, if you're listening to the podcast, <coughs> uh, Inter Milan, I mean, demolished Shakhtar Donetsk. Yeah. 5-0 in the semi-final. And they will be taking on a team who have never lost in a single leg fixture in Europe in um, Sevilla. Yeah, I mean, a very, very impressive start. And I think Sevilla have almost been just quite controlling in Europe in the Europa League of recent times. Um, and definitely always there or thereabouts. And it's no surprise that they are in the final this year. I think the only difference is this time is, you know, Inter dropped out of the Champions League, haven't lost a game since... I feel like the quality of their squad is just that bit higher. There are a squad and a team that almost should be in the Champions League. And I think going forward, like that will be the thing that makes the difference, especially with someone like Conte. I feel like this is one of those sort of... Um, not like the Community Shield, but it it's... feels like it's, a Super Cup yeah, match. It, it's like, you know, you know someone who... This is the standard of the Champions League in Inter Milan. Yeah. This is the standard of the um, Europa League. A very good Europa League team, it yeah, must be said. very much so. And I think we're going to see a difference. And I think I can't see... I cannot see Inter Milan losing this. No, I would be very, very surprised. But that's usually... Uh, <laughs> final words. Um, or famous last words. But, yeah, I do think it will definitely be a kind of situation where... Inter will go out to win this game and I think Sevilla will try and make sure that you know within after 70 minutes that they're still in the game if that makes sense um, and yeah look I think it's going to be a very exciting game of football and uh, I think Inter will win 3-1 3-1 yeah okay I mean Sevilla are without Luca, well probably without Lucas at campus yeah and Inter probably won't have Alexis Sanchez both of them injury doubts I think there's still I do think there's still enough firepower on that Inter team Uh, 3-1 I think it I think Inter might get a bit cagey because they kind of know the situation that they're going into against Sevilla so I can see it being I'm going to say 2-1 like I think it'll be closer Closer than than a, I don't think it'll be comfortable. No, it's, I think it will be very much as similar to the, like, to the Leon Man City game. I think Inter will be two 0 up, severe score. It's close, kg. They miss a chance. Inter go down the other end and score again, and that's where it comes three one. I think it's that going to be that kind of game where up until seventy minutes, it's going to be. Into and control, and then actually, Sevilla will have to start playing and start playing a bit more freely. Right, and then turning our attention to the NFL, uh, there's been quite a lot that's been going on, you know, with this first, you know, they, they've just been allowed to start using pads in, in uh, training camp and there have been one or two injuries that have happened. I mean, Gerald McCoy has been cut from uh, the Cowboys because yeah. he got a quad injury and in his contract it said that they could waive his contract if there was a quad injury. 
Um, but he's not the only one who's had an interesting contract situation because Melvin Ingram the third, who is the a pass rusher for the LA Chargers, is quote unquote dissatisfied, isn't he? Yeah, his contract situation is is not great, and I think this situation is only made worse by the fact that, like we mentioned a few episodes ago, Joey Bosa signed a record sensing extension and. I think they were very much seen as a a tandem, a duo, like you can attack from both sides. Um, And he's kind of thinking like, what about me? Yeah, and I think it it must be difficult when they pay one half of the duo record-setting money and they seem to be not, I mean... I think he's not mad at Joey... I think he's fine no, with no. that. It's the team, like it's yeah. But it's like you've obviously got the money to pay him. Yeah. So why can't you pay me? Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, he's, okay. So he's been to three straight Pro Bowls, and according to Pro Football Focus, he's the third pass rush, third best pass rusher in the league. Um, when you're fa- when he was facing two or more blockers. I mean, if if he wants to go somewhere else that's a talent that anyone would snap up oh yeah for sure I mean there are there are teams lining up currently and watching this situation with like very keen eyes um, as to what like is going on in LA and is it hard knocks that the LA are on well I mean (laughs) every team's going to be tuning in on that now as to what they're doing um, and what's spoken about in that but the question is is do the Chargers re-sign him or do they go and trade him away and get something in return I think they would like to strengthen that offensive line a little bit um, but he's not cheap no he's not his um, his cap hit is 14 million dollars so he is in the last year of his 64 million dollar contract so the Chargers have paid him the lion's share of that money because yeah. they have paid him $50 million over the last three years. And you'd like to say he's returned on that? Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think that's fair enough to say. I mean, the thing that... <laughs> the thing that I think with him here is... Do you... I mean, it's probably not as much money as he's worth now. But if you... If he gets traded by the Chargers... He'll have to negotiate a contract with another team. Yeah. And won't necessarily get the best deal. I think if he plays out this year and has another year like he had last year, then he'll hit the market as a free agent. And then suddenly he's going, right, anyone can sign me now. Yeah, I think with the uncertain times, though, like we've seen Jadavian Clowney at the start of free agency, he was talking like big contract, wanted like, wanted probably similar money to to what Ingram's on, probably closer to 20, which probably he was never going to get. But with all the uncertain times like that we have at the moment, I think you want to be on a team. I don't think you want to give yourself the opportunity or leave yourself vulnerable to be like left out in the cold if suddenly like there's a second wave or in the US you could be looking at a third wave or whatever. But yeah, he's, he's not going to be cheap. And I think there are certain teams that will prefer having him and actually be willing to give something up. So let's let's go through a couple of those teams then that have have the cap space and have 
a need at his position. Yeah. So first up, first, I mean, the first one that we can think of, Patriots. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure whether the Patriots will sign him because I'm not sure whether they're... they're they've uh, never paid... I think the thing is that we'll always talk about with the Patriots is that they've never paid big money to anyone. Yeah. And to pay 14 to a pass rusher and then expect to sign him to probably a similar deal again is not the route that they always go down. And also I think... I think that they don't like having a single focal point on that defense. I mean, they kind of do with Stefan Gilmore, yeah, who was paid re like well for his position, but not you know break the bank money for the Patriots. Um, They prefer three or four guys that can interchange. Exactly, don't have specific guys for first and second downs, like guys that can always pressure. But the thing, yeah, I think the thing is with Ingram, like he is a starting point or definitely a building block to just rushing with four. And we've seen how key that can be for defensive teams. So moving on, uh, the Bills, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, it would be the the, um, the pass rush group there is, is quite old. Yeah. And adding another veteran, but a younger veteran to yeah. that group could be quite positive. The other thing that would be good for, certainly for Ingram, is that Bob Babich, who is their linebackers coach, used to be a coach at the LA Chargers. Yeah, so he's definitely going to familiar grounds. I think the thing worth probably mentioning is that these are all like trade situations. So teams are going to have to give something up. And like we said, the Chargers are interested in an offensive lineman if that was the case and actually I don't know that the Bills have the facilities to give up something that would actually interest the Chargers and in a very similar sort of situation are the Cleveland Browns who you know they were interested in Jadavian Clowney at the start they were reportedly interested in Everson Griffin as well I mean if they could somehow get Ingram formidable pass rush yeah I mean it would be ridiculous yeah I mean just Miles Garrett like alone adding him to just Miles would be great but I think yeah I mean the Browns are obviously interested in doing something like that and they have a league leading cap space of 38.7 million um, and yeah again it's just what do you give up for someone that's only on a one year contract you're probably looking at you're not going to go as high as a second round pick. You're probably looking at like fours and fives. But then I think there's the Chargers want somebody in return. And it's like there aren't many teams that can offer fresh meat almost for the Chargers. And I, I think offensive linemen are like gold dust at the moment. So next up, we got the Colts, who, I mean, they, they've got not that much cap space this year, enough to fit him in. But They've got almost eighty million dollars in cap space next year, so they could sign him to a big contract uh, if he were to be traded there. And that, they've got such a good offensive line that they might have one or two guys sort of in their depth chart they could give up. Yeah, but you know, you know that you go through offensive linemen like anything else. Once one goes, they are like London buses, aren't they? And. 
I just wouldn't be giving up any offensive line. No, I think if I was out of any of this li- these lists of teams, and that includes like the Giants that we would talk about next, I think I would. If I was the Colts, I would want. I would be the most interested. I think the amount of cup space you have next year, you're in a good position. You're playing. You're paying an aging quarterback in Philip Rivers, so actually you're not missing out on too much cap space there. I think, yeah, to be able, they're the one team that looks like they could sign him and then convince him that actually a contract extension is doable, reasonable, can probably pay him closer to what they want. And actually, the Colts have a quite a young pass rushing group at the moment, and adding a stable guy in there that actually will perform to a very high level will actually help them in the long run as well, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the the Giants, you know, who we'll talk about now, um, the thing that they've got going for them is that they've got a rookie quarterback. Yeah. You know, they are paying someone penny pennies for the position that they're playing. And so now is the time to lock in big players early. So what they could do with someone like Ingram, if you were the New York Giants, is you'd sign him to an extension and front load the money yeah keep him there for a long time but give him a big money deal and help him try and lead a defense which i mean has to try and get to the quarterback even if they don't make it they've got to at least try yeah no for sure and they've not they're not really doing much to to help <laughs> them out there um i think like you said i think you know daniel jones is still on his rookie deal. Saquon isn't a free agent until 2023. So like you said, front-loading something like that would be important. The other thing is, is that the Giants didn't really address this position in the draft. And now you're looking at a situation where they probably need to do something about it. Otherwise, it's going to be another like dire year for the Giants. Right, so thank you very much for listening to this episode of the J-Rod Sports Pod. Looking forward to, I mean, a couple of pretty big matches, not only in the European Championships, plural, but um, also in the NBA moving forward. So it seems like we're going to have an exciting weekend of sport ahead. And please make sure that you check back in on Tuesday morning to hear about how everything's gone down. And Ollie and I will break down all the twists and turns from... Uh, all the sport uh, that has gone on over the weekend. Now, obviously, we don't have a Formula 1 race happening this weekend, so Sam Corti has next week off, but we will be back the weekend after looking at the Spa, the the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa-Francorchamps. But until then, please make sure that you subscribe, follow us on social media, and let us know if there's anything you want to hear.